Good morning. How's everybody doing? Good, good. Well, <clears throat> I'm glad that you're all here. And uh, honestly, I was a little bit surprised that I was uh, getting ready and uh, um, coming over. I thought, well, I know this is a tough Sunday for everybody. Why do they have to make, you know, daylight savings time and like spring forward on Sundays? Like, why couldn't they just do it Saturday? And it's another conversation I've had. Nobody's going to listen to me, though. So, uh, <clears throat> but anyway. Um, but I am glad you're here in person. My name is Michael. I'm the pastor here. If you're uh, here in person, again, it's good to see your faces. Uh, if you're on, here with us online, um, then I'm glad you're here. Uh, just leave a comment or um, something on the video, the Facebook page, and then we'd love to uh, get connected with you that way. So today we are starting a new series. Uh, we're in a series called The Real Me in 23. So yay, it rhymes. Hopefully we remember that. Uh, the Real Me in 23. It's a series that I did in student ministry a number of years ago. Uh, and then when you know the year 2023 was coming around, I thought, well, we could do that again and it would rhyme. But more than that, um, God's really been laying on my heart lately, especially since um, all the events of COVID and everything else. Um, the, the many struggles that I think we've had with mental health and our families. In fact, if I were just to say by raise of hands, um, who of you can be yourself, it can be a friend, a family member, for sake of this conversation of raising our hands, it can be somebody else if you want, who has dealt with a mental health struggle in your family or around you or anybody close to you? Any? Okay, that's just the hands that got raised, that's at half, that's actually a little over half from what I saw. Uh, my guess is that it's a lot higher than that. And so this isn't something that that I think is an uncommon issue or one that's even, um, as we think about it, it's maybe one that makes us uncomfortable more than anything, and it's one that maybe we don't want to talk about. And especially, even myself growing up in the church, I never really heard people talk about mental health struggles. I never really heard anybody say, you know, are you dealing with something? You know, let's talk about that. Uh, and so I hope that this is maybe um, healing for you. I hope that it's freeing. And more than anything, since it's God's Word, um, I hope that this will be a space for you maybe to feel like um, the Word can wash over you in some of these spaces and help you, okay? Uh, before we jump into it, I wanted to share a video that I shared uh, last week. It was af- after the uh, live stream closed, so this will be a first for you. Um, if you have not heard, it's from uh, Pam Gaffel. I asked a number of you to film videos and just kind of talk about your struggles, and uh, Pam uh, graciously, uh, even though she doesn't like to be in front of people, <laughs> which is why we filmed it, so maybe that's more helpful, uh, she allowed us to do that, and from her own perspective, which is a professional perspective, um, just, just dealing in the mental health field and trying to help people, uh, she said, I will, I'll share a little bit about that. So I thought, uh, what better yet to come from an expert? Uh, so listen in and uh, watch the screen as Pam shares with us for about a minute. Hi, my name is Pam. I'm a licensed mental health counselor and I work in the field of mental health. In the United States, the National Institute of Mental Health as of 2020 says that one in five people have a mental health disorder. That's a lot of people in the United States. That's 59, 52.9 million people. And that's the ones that are reporting that they have a mental health issue. There's different kinds and conditions They vary in severity from mild, moderate to severe. Um, There's any mental health disorder, and then it ranges to severe mental health disorders. And I think for a lot of people that have issues, they first reach out to family and friends. It's good to have that social support network to reach out um, to interact and talk and get some help, especially with the mild. Um, 
And sometimes people have to reach out for more help. Maybe they talk to their doctor or um, a professional. And sometimes they have to reach out to a mental health professional. And there's, that's okay. Um, dealing with your mental health as opposed to trying to hide it if you need more help is a good thing to do. There's Christian um, counselors, mental health counselors. There's you know a variety of different people that you can seek. I think the important thing is being able to reach out and get some help and feel okay about that. So I wanted to thank Pam again for sharing that. Um, <clears throat> You know, the truth is that I think there's far more of us that struggle, maybe on a regular basis, or at least even once in your lifetime, with a, a serious mental health-related issue, whether it's depression or anxiety or anger or something else, um, that we could use some help with. And, and most of the time, we, by ourselves, won't be able to solve these problems, won't be able to get to a better place without reaching out, without talking to somebody. And so that's, that's kind of part of what we're going to talk about today. And um, I kept going back to this phrase this week as I was getting ready for this. In, in my church growing up, we had this phrase that we use, and we said, it's okay to not be okay, just don't stay there. And so for, for maybe some of you in the room who are thinking, like, I know I've not been okay for a while, uh, I just, uh, maybe I haven't known who to talk to, maybe um, if you even feel embarrassed, like with family or spouse, and so I just want you to know there, there's a place that you can go to. And first, we're going to go to God's Word, but then I want to reassure you that I think a lot of time, too, the church has kind of maybe glazed over this, um, this fact that we live in a modern area with a lot of education and a lot of people who really know how to help you from the uh, psychology perspective. And so I want to just put that out there. If friends and family maybe not the opportunity to share with them or you feel like you can't, I'm certainly here and other pastors I can connect with you and, and then other people in the room and outside of this space, too, that I'd love to get you connected with that you can say, you know what, this has been an issue for a while, and I just I want to talk about how I can maybe make it better. So um, that's my hope today. Um, not that we would pretend like everything's okay all the time, because it's not. You know, the truth is, whether it's a life circumstance, and I know some of us, too, we think like, we were talking about this this morning, is as you get up and you're like, the snow, it's still here. Like, when, is, uh, when is winter going to end? We might have maybe even seasonal, times of seasonal depression like that that are affected by the weather. Maybe there's a situation in your life that happened. Maybe it was when you were a kid or more recently, maybe the loss of a loved one, and, <clears throat> and you just couldn't figure out how to work through that. For others of us, I think there are those who <clears throat> struggle throughout their entire lives with something like depression or anxiety. And, and the only way to help manage that is to reach out, is to talk to somebody, sit down with a counselor and say, hey, here's how I'm doing this month. Or maybe every couple of months you do that. And so those things are okay. I want us to <clears throat> hopefully try to get away from the space where we feel like shameful for saying that there's an issue. We certainly wouldn't feel shameful about saying, hey, you know what, there's this problem with my foot. Yeah, I got to go to the doctor for it and you know, I got to get, get that work done. But when it comes to things like this, we... We feel shameful, and, and truthfully, and this whole week I've been praying over this because um, there's been attack for me as well, because I think this is what you need to hear, and, and I think Satan, is he, he works against us, he goes, you know, don't talk about mental health, nobody cares about that, that's not a real issue, but, but God who knows our broken state, he knows we're broken, right? He knows we have issues, and he knows we, we need to work on those things, and in this space, this should be a safe place for that, Right? And maybe not in front of everybody, but, but, but I want to just kind of open that up to you. Um, if you ever f- have felt like, or you feel like right now, you are struggling with something in that space, whatever it is, 
uh, please reach out uh, because we care and want to help you through that, okay? So with that, let's jump into the text. we in Psalm chapter 40, uh, verses 1 through 10. If you were to uh, look at somebody's life in the text, which I, I don't know how you can look throughout the entirety of Scripture and see the people who wrote the Scripture inspired by God and not go, wow, those people really dealt with some serious difficulties. Wow, those people, they were depressed at times. Uh, those people were anxious at times. Those people were angry at times. Those people, man, I, I don't know how they did life. And, and we think that we're so far removed from people like King David. And it's like he put it all out there. He could have hidden some things away, uh, but he didn't. In fact, in the text today, we're going to see that he's like, I'm putting it all out there. In fact, I've told the whole congregation. <laughs> and who of us would stand up, I mean, let alone before thousands and thousands and thousands of people, but even just within our families or even just with a counselor, with your pastor and say, uh, I've got an issue and something that I I need to talk about. I need some help with it. And David's like, I'm not going to hide any of this because what happens when we share where we struggle? God's going to get the victory. We're going to get the victory. And and a lot of times we think too, well, if we just hide it, like, you know, then then nobody knows and I'll be good, but you don't get better, right? And then it just gets worse. And then you're just dealing with it by yourself. And to be truthful with you, that's what the enemy wants. He doesn't want any of these things to come out. He doesn't want you to share with anybody. He doesn't want you to grow. And I think we can learn from David's example here because as he's walking through the midst of this difficulty, he's, he's going to say, here's who I'm going to rely on. Here's who I'm going to trust in. And then more than that, I'm going to tell everybody about my personal struggles. And then God's going to get the glory for it. Okay? So <clears throat> let's go through it. Psalm chapter 40, starting in verse 1. Nobody's tense, right? <laughs> Nobody's like, it was spring forward. We needed like something easy this morning. Uh, yeah, it would be nice if it was easy, right? The Bible's normally not, in real life, normally isn't, right? So uh, let's go through it. Psalm uh, chapter 40, verse, starting in verse 1. We'll do verses 1 through 5. And, and this first part I want to look at is um, waiting in the pain. Waiting in the pain. And so... <clears throat> Hopefully you see that up. There's a lot of verse, verses there, but um, just pick up your Bible or the one that's in front of you in the chair, and you can uh, hopefully follow along with me here. Starting in verse 1, it says, Waiting patiently, I wait, waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. So waiting is hard, isn't it? It's like when we're, I mean, let alone, I mean, just because our culture is so fast-paced, and it's like you want everything instantly. You know, we're sitting at a red light, and it's like we've been there 10 seconds, and I... <laughs> Um, I had to kind of catch myself, too, because um, when we're in the car with the kids, you know, you'll say things. <laughs> you may be more guarded in other settings, but, you know, Alana's in the back, and we're all going somewhere, and she's like, come on, when is the light going to turn green? <laughs> I thought, I think we've only been here, like, maybe, you know, 10 or 15 seconds, but then I had, I had to think, okay, where has she heard that before? Yeah. All right, so I'm not perfect either, right? You know, we've, I can't believe we've been here for 30 seconds. Or, or maybe you're at the grocery store, right, and you're, uh, you know, there's somebody in front of you, and they got a lot of stuff, but you're like, okay, right, I know they're going to get through it eventually. All the lines are long. And then they're like, oh, no, are they pulling out the coupons? Oh, my gosh. Uh, they're not. If you're that person, I'm sorry, okay? But I'm just using this as an example. It's like you're pulling out the coupons. Don't point at each other, right? And then so you're getting out the coupons, and then you're like, okay, right, she's gotten through the coupons. Okay, and then you're like, what is she getting? Wait, that's not a credit card. Is she writing a check for that? Is that person writing a check? Oh, my gosh, I can't. We've been here like 10 minutes. That's never happened to you, right? <laughs> We're not good at waiting, are we? Uh, I was reading a few commentaries, and one in particular 
uh, Charles Spurgeon, who writes a lot about the Psalms. He's really, he's really a great reference for the Psalms if you're ever just studying through them. So he said this about verse 1. He said, Think ye, brethren, might it not read, I waited impatiently for the Lord in the case of most of us. <clears throat> if we're being honest, that's where a lot of us are at, right? And so let alone just daily life, when we come into a Real struggles, when you encounter real difficulties, maybe you know, depression starts to loom, it's a dark cloud over us, and, and we think, I, I can't deal with this, I can't do this right now, we just sort of push things to the side, or we pretend that it's not an issue, I got to get to my next thing, I'm not going to wait for this, I'm not going to talk to anybody about it, and then what happens, does it go away normally? Right, no, th- these things, they, they don't. And then they just fester and they bottle up. And if, if you've ever been to a counselor, a Christian counselor, or a psychologist, it's one of the number one things they'll talk to you about. Is there anything that maybe that, that you just haven't dealt with? And maybe it was a long time ago, but you never talked to anybody about. And that's where a lot of these things come from. We just choose. We say, I don't have time for it. I don't want to deal with it. I'm, I want to be impatient. So I think there's a reason that David starts here. And we, and we need to wait. And it's not always easy. In fact, I think most of the time it's much, much more difficult. And so this word here for waiting, this word, I waited patiently, it's actually the same word in the Hebrew. It's used twice. So um, David says here, I kava, kava for the Lord. And there's this overemphasis here. When you see two words in the Hebrew used together, he's saying, I really, the word by itself not only means like I really eagerly and hopefully like waited for the Lord, but when he uses it twice here, he's going, I exceedingly greatly waited on the Lord. Like, I wasn't going like, Lord, would you just hurry this up? Because I got to get somewhere. Like, I got to take care of my business. You know, there's all these things, right? That's what I hear on a regular basis now. We're so, like, overwhelmed by life. Like, we can't take a moment. We can't, you know, we hear like, yeah, everybody needs a mental health day. <laughs> but then we don't take them ourselves. And then we don't, we don't care for the people who are around us and say, you know what? If you need to take a mental health day, you do that. And I'm going to do whatever I need so that you can do that so you can be better. And, and for a lot of us, maybe it's more situational. We're like, I just need to go to the grocery store by myself, right? I need to, I need to have some alone time. I need to do whatever it is. And, and, and I know a lot of us say we're smiling, you know, we're nodding our heads, but it's, it's true, isn't it, right? We're so busy. We're so like, I can't wait. I can't be patient. But David starts with this for a reason. And Spurgeon knew it was true. When we read this, we were probably going, you know what, if I was being honest, I probably am more impatient than I am patient. But David said one of the keys to this is starting by patiently waiting on the Lord. And what's this result of waiting? Well, he says it here in verse 2, He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. So he, he drew me up. This word in the Hebrew, a lot, just means to, uh, to be brought up to, or to ascend or climb the hill. Have you ever felt like, you know, when you're, maybe you're in the midst of this, maybe it's a situation, maybe it's a season, you're like, winter just won't end. Like, when are we going to be able to get out of the clouds of this? When is the sun going to come out? Now, I was at the school this week, and I stopped by to pick up Alana, and um, <clears throat> I walked in, and just people's expression and demeanor are different. You know, when the sun's out and they're sitting by a window and I walk in and I'm here to get my daughter. Yeah, and it's like the lady at the front said, um, such a great day, isn't it? I mean, the sun's out, you know. And um, we can relate to that too, though, right? right? Living in western New York and the clouds and the snow, it's like it can, it can get to you at some point, right? You're like, I need like some artificial light or I'm going to go like put on something on the TV that has like a, you know, beach and a sun, sunset or something. Now, sometimes we do that and it's hard for us to... Think, even think about, like, I don't even know when I'm going to feel better. I don't know how this uh, season is going to pass, uh, but it will. And it was through David relying on the Lord. Now, I also don't want us to hear, like, as we're reading through the text, like, 
I know some of us in the room, or maybe somebody you know, a friend or family member, has just dealt with a lifelong struggle, and, you, and you're like, look, they read the Bible, and they prayed, and, like, and like just things didn't really get a whole lot better. My question is, did, have they shared with anybody? And then at the same time, I want to remind us that, that maybe some of these struggles, as David's talking about, and I think you can look at various characters throughout the Scripture, and I share something else about Spurgeon here in a moment that, that maybe would surprise you, I think there's more of us that struggle with these kind of things on a regular basis than we would think. And then those who don't struggle with those just go, oh, read your Bible, and it'll all get better. Or it'll all be perfect, right? No, we're still going to wake up in the morning and be like, I, I don't know if I can get out of bed, right? And if that's you, I just I, I want you to be able to, um, to, to wake up tomorrow, whenever it is, and to feel that way, and then go, I'm not an awful person. And God created me, and he understands this about me, and I struggle but there's hope in it, right? And David's not just, he's not just going like, hey, just, you know, you do this, and God, he is going to draw us up, but there may still be those underlying currents of things that you deal with and struggle with on a regular basis, and you just need to reach out and say, I just need a little bit of help with this, okay? So as we read through this, I just want that to be understood, okay? Because I've heard too many guys stand in my, my space and say, like, if you would just do X, Y, and Z, then you'll be perfect. You will never struggle again, and that's just not true, right? Yeah. So let's keep going. Verse 3 says, He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. <laughs> yeah, you see people, um, I love it when you see people like jamming out, you know, in their car, they got the music going, whether or not they can sing, okay, at all, or they can carry a tune. Uh, I love seeing people like that because there's just that joy. But, but then I have to think, too, like as we read through this text and as David was dealing with this, like where does that new song come from? Like as we're praying and we're seeking the Lord and we're dealing with like real, either real situational issues or real seasonal issues or real depression that just, just never seems to go anywhere. It just is always like lingering there. And maybe we've even reached out for help. For help. And, and David's saying, hey, <laughs> who put this new song in his heart. Who put this new song even in his mouth? He's like, I didn't, I didn't know where the words came from. I just I was like seeking the Lord, and he gave me this new song. And I, I can tell you, there's been times I've been really, really down, really just situationally. Things have not been good. Uh, even in my own family, like growing up, I've had multiple family members who have struggled with mental health and, and had to take more steps than even just like, I'm going to read my Bible and pray, and I'm going to go to the pastor, and I'm going to go to a cl- clinical psychologist. And, and maybe there's even something like chemically going on in your brain that is just not right. And you need to say, what's the next step that we need to take here, right? So there's no shame there. And in fact, in, in many of those seasons, we can't even ourselves just go like, you know what, I'm just going to just sing a song, and then I'm going to feel better. Like, like, you know, just sit down with my guitar and play a song, because I've tried doing that too. And sometimes I just need to say, you know what, Lord, I need you to put a new song in my mouth, because today I'm not sure I can do it. I'm not sure I can, I can lift up everybody else. I'm not sure I can do this. And, and, and the Lord answers us. He does, even in the midst of, of difficult seasons. He says, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. And then verse 4, blesses the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after a lie. So there's this question here of uh, trusting in God or something else. And, and Spurgeon puts it this way in verse 4. He says, <clears throat> A man may be as poor as Lazarus, as hated as Mordecai, as sick as Hezekiah, and as lonely as Elijah. But while his hand of faith can keep its hold on God, none of his outward afflictions can prevent his being numbered among the blessed. But the wealthiest and most prosperous man who has no faith is accursed 
be he who he may. So Spurgeon's like, look, you, can, you look at this text, you look at what David says, and he, he's not going like, all the problems are going to get fixed, right? All the stuff that drags you down in life is going to get fixed. Even, even to the point where if you're like, hey, I've taken all these steps and I visit with a counselor on a regular basis and maybe, even, maybe I even t- take something to kind of help me with this, Spurgeon isn't going, all those things are just going to get better like that. Like sometimes, and you, you look at characters in the scripture, I think about Paul who talked about a thorn in the flesh. And although we don't know exactly what that is, you know, I think I wonder what it was. What was it? Was it depression, anxiety? Was it something else going on? And, and, he, and he said multiple times, God, could you take this away from me? And he didn't do it. But what was the purpose of that? So that God could receive the glory. And it's so strange to us when we read that stuff and we're like, well, well God, why would God want me to suffer? Why would he want me to have difficulty? Why would he want me to experience that? Well, number one, because we all experience in some form or fashion, right? We live in a fallen world. Ever since the very beginning of time when Adam and Eve, they were told one thing. Just don't do this one thing and you can live in perfect fellowship with God. Don't take of take that tree, the fruit of knowledge of the good and evil. And they did it anyway. And sin entered the world. And ever since then, we've been broken in one form or fashion. And as, as you know, as you get older, it just seems like it, you know, it gets worse and worse, right? The physical things take their toll. And the mental things which can affect us all, no matter where we are at in life, And so in all of that, Spurgeon said, hey, here's this one thing we can fixate on. But while his hand of faith can keep keep its hold on God, none of these outward afflictions can prevent his being numbered among the blessed. So sometimes we just need to remind ourselves of that too. And it's not just going like, I'm blessed. (laughs) Everything's good. Maybe it's not. But it's remembering who we are in Christ as well. And like this point of despair uh, of maybe just going like, I don't even know what the purpose is. Maybe some of you have been there. Maybe friends or family members have been in that space too. And we just have to go, you know what? It's not quite the answer, no matter what is going on. And then verse 5, I like thinking about this like God's thoughts to our thoughts. Um, if you've ever seen Star Trek, you know, I'm a nerd, right? I don't know what you want to call that, Trekkie, whatever. It's fine, okay? You can call me that. Uh, growing up, I remember watching those things, and there were these characters, these Vulcan guys, and so they would like, they were like, tell the past, so they could, they could like, you know, my mind to your mind. I don't know if you remember seeing that before, if it's just me. Uh, but they would say, you know, my mind to your mind, my thoughts to your thoughts. And, and it's funny to us, when we see those things, those sci-fi things, like nobody can really do that. But, but God really can do that for us. And he can, all these bad thoughts, all these things that we're thinking of on a regular basis, and all the, the lies that the enemy tells us, can be replaced. A lot of those can. And so it just takes us taking this first step, and David puts it like this. He says, you have multiplied, O Lord, my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts towards us. None can compare with you. I will proclaim and tell of them, yet they are more than can be told. So this word here, it says your deeds and your thoughts towards us, the, this makibasha, Ale, it's the word in the Hebrew. Uh, <clears throat> this, the, the thoughts or devices or purposes or intentions of God concerning us. Like sometimes we just walk in like these lies, like who we think we are, like who our depression makes us, who our anxiety makes us, or who our anger, whatever our anger makes us. And, and then we, we start to go, well, I'm just worthless, or I'm, you know, nobody loves me, or nobody cares about me, or, you know, what really could I contribute to society or my friends? Or family, why am I even doing this? And, and David has to say this many times, you'll see throughout the Psalms. He has to even remind himself. He's like, wait a minute, who is God? But God has things that he knows about me and he thinks about me on a regular basis that when I start to go, you know what, I'm worthless. I don't even know why I'm going to get up today. There's no point. And David says, hey, 
your wondrous deeds and your thoughts towards us. None can compare with you. And this perspective, like this change for us, how we view ourselves, a lot of it comes from how we view God. Like, we, do we really believe who God is? Do we really believe what he's done in our lives? Do we really believe that he cared about us enough to send his son to die on the cross for our sins? And sometimes we think about that and we're like, no, he didn't care that much. I'm not worth that. But we are, or God wouldn't have sent his son to die on the cross for our sins. So let's be reminded of that. So as we continue to go through this, I... I've struggled this week, if I'm being honest, just because of my background in this and my families, and, and I don't want us to walk out of this place being discouraged or being uninformed about you know, maybe what our options are. So I just, I just want to remind you that maybe for you just need to take a first step. So we read this and we go, okay, waiting in the pain, what do we need to do next? Well, we need to listen, but <clears throat> here's some things you can do. Like in the midst of all this, when you leave, I want to just remind us that, that maybe you just need to start the conversation. Maybe it's like, I don't even really know. Maybe even today, like the Lord's bringing something to your mind. Like, I really didn't even think I struggled with this, but maybe, maybe I do. So talk with your spouse. Talk with another friend or family member. Uh, maybe you need to take the next step to talk to a pastor or a Christian counselor. And there's so many people that, uh, man, if you're like, you know what, I don't know that I could talk to the pastor, but I could talk to somebody. I'd love to get you connected with somebody else. And then there are people who just do this for a living, like they've gotten all their education for this. Um, people like Pam and um, others who are these like, clinical psychologists, mental health professionals who can just say, hey, look, there's no shame here. Let me help you walk through it, okay? So we wait, and here's the second thing. We listen, listening in the pain. So we've got waiting in the pain, whatever it is. If you're at the traffic light, which is not painful, it's just annoying, right? <laughs> if you're waiting in the grocery store to check out, you're like, I always go, I always go and think about statistics, like how many hours will I be waiting in line or at a traffic light? This, this doesn't seem like a good you know, use of my time, but yet we need traffic lights, right? We need an organized system that allows us to go through certain spaces to get groceries and all that stuff. And sometimes we, while we're waiting, we need to start listening, right? We can get um, so bogged down with our own negative self-talk that we kind of just go, I'm not, wor- you know, I'm not worth anything. Or we can listen to the lies of the enemy who is, um, he's whispering in our ear on a regular basis. Like he's coming next to us and he's saying, God doesn't love you. He doesn't care about you. And, and we go, well, maybe, maybe that's true instead of listening to God. And I'm not trying to minimize anybody's struggle in here, right? Maybe you've just been dealing with, it's not just seasonal for you. It's not just situational for you. Maybe it's like lifelong deal you've been dealing with. And you're like, I just, uh, it's always going to be there. And and that's okay. But, but how do we respond to it? Well, we listen in the pain, right? We instead of, I think, a lot of times complain or despair or just say, God, like, I just cannot believe you gave me this life or this struggle. We need to be quiet, right? We need to listen. And David did a really good job of this, right? At times, he, uh, he made some mistakes. But in most of those instances, we'll see that he, he will go, hey, okay, I need to turn my perspective to the Lord, and I need to listen to what he has to say. Because God is listening, and he wants us to listen too. So listening in the pain, in verse 6 it says, In sacrifice and offerings you have not delighted, but you have given me an open ear. Now this is David, King David, who's writing from an Old Covenant, Old Testament perspective, and he, he, he's saying, um, hey, you know all these sacrifices, all these things that we give on a regular basis, it's part of the sacrificial system, remember, in the Old Testament during David's time. In fact, David said, hey, I, I, I'm going to build a temple for you, God. I, w- I want to do that. And God's like, no, Solomon's going to build it. Sorry. And David was like, yeah, but God, you desire sacrifices. And here, he almost seems to contradict himself, but then he turns his, our focus to the fact that God is going to listen to us no matter what as believers. So he says, in sacrifice and offering, you have not 
delighted. So what does God delight in? He says, but you have given me an open ear. And what do most of us do with our kids? You know, right now we're kind of, Christy and I are in that season where um, <laughs> we got a lot of little people and, you know, there's, there's the bump knees and the scrapes and the emotional hurts and things. And it's just, uh, you would not come to my house and spend a day there and, and not have pretty much everybody in the house cry, uh, including me sometimes, some days, and just because, you know, I get to the point, it's like, uh, I, not, I can't handle this anymore, right? So, and the tears come, and every time, you're like, just, you know, come to me, you know, I want to hear what's going on, and I can't find my turtle. <laughs> I said, okay, I, I think we can fix that relatively easily, right? But sometimes, we just need to be there to listen, right? God's like, hey, look, you can make all the sacrifices you want. You can do all the things in life that you think are the right things, but, but, but do you realize that God himself, when we struggle hard, like he, he just wants us to come and to sit with him, and as we're weeping and we're like, I don't know what to do with this, he's like, it's okay, just tell me what's going on, right? And he already knows. He's the perfect counselor because you don't have to explain everything to him. You don't have to explain what's going on. He already knows it. He's like, just tell me, just tell me. I got an open ear. So if maybe you feel like you don't have anybody else to talk to, at least talk to the Lord. I've done that many times. He can handle it, whether you're angry, whether you're sad, whether you're upset. Sometimes we're like, oh, don't talk to God like that. (laughs) He can handle it, right? He's seen a lot of things, handled a lot worse than our anger, our upsetness, right? He can do it. Maybe for some of us, as we read this text, we're like, yeah, King David, he was a giant of the faith. Like, there's nobody that really struggles. If you looked at David's story, he made a lot of mistakes. And he made, he, he, a lot of things happened to him that weren't his fault, but he also had things that he did that were his fault. And he ended up in these places of really just like deep, dark depression at times and anxiety and worry. I mean, like his own family tried to kill him at times. His sons, who were like, I love you. Like, he gave him, you know, opportunity after opportunity. And like, I'm still going to kill you and take the throne. And he's like, you know, God, what's going on? You know, I need your help. And we should be the same. But then we come to, you know, our modern times and we think, well, does anybody who really like has faith or who's a leader in faith or even myself, like I don't, sometimes I don't even feel like I can talk about my own struggles or the ones that are going on in my own family. And uh, Charles Spurgeon, who I don't think it's any secret or I don't think it's a coincidence that he's most well known for his commentaries on the Psalms. He's a guy that if you look at his story, um, it's one of a lot of struggle. It's one of a lot of deep, dark depression and anxiety. And he's not this guy. We, we always you know, either hear the recordings or we quote him. You know, as, as uh, pastors and other guys I meet with do that all the time. But when you start to look at these people who are like giants of the faith in, in the Bible or in modern times in history and preachers, man, a lot of those guys really struggled. And, and it wasn't like them just picking themselves up by their bootstraps and, uh, straps and making it better. It was them going to the Lord and even having other people pick them up. In fact, here's an excerpt from um, an article I read this week, the uh, wearychristian.com. This was about Spurgeon. It said, <clears throat> his mental illness presents a dilemma. If you say depression, anxiety, and panic are either sins or reflective of a spiritual problem, the greatest preacher in evangelicalism's history shouldn't have been near a pulpit. Hmm. So if somebody said that about Spurgeon, if, if any person you want to put on a pedestal, my guess is that they probably struggle with something or have in the past. 
And, and there's this camp, because I don't want us to get to this place where we kind of align with this and we go like, it, you know, it's never okay not to have a mental struggle. It's never okay to not be okay, because that's the opposite of what we're saying this morning, right? It's okay to not be okay. You know, just don't stay there. And it's not a matter of you just fixing the problem. I, as I read stories about um, Spurgeon, and just, he's just you know, an amazing uh, preacher uh, many years ago, but um, I read this account of where his deacons on in the, several Sundays out of the year would come into his office and pick him up off the floor or off of his chair and say, hey, you know, it's time for service. He's like, I can't do it. And they're like, you can't. And they would pick him up and take him to the pulpit, and they would leave him there, and he would somehow have the energy and the strength, my guess is given to him by the Lord, uh, to be able to go through the message that day. And so we can't get in this place where we're like, we're in this camp of, of what I would consider some people um, believe, and they would say, look, you know, you can do it, it's okay, you don't need help, you don't ever need to re- reach out to anybody, um, you don't even ever need to escalate things. In fact, you know, talking to a clinical psychologist or even going like, wait a second, could something like actually like chemically be adjusted or, or even broken or, or some event that could happen in your life that could mess up the imbalance of your brain? I don't know if you've read any of this kind of stuff. If, you're, if it's not your wheelhouse, that's fine. Uh, I love reading about these kind of things because there are things that can happen to us physiologically and mentally that sometimes are just out of our control, right? And so I don't want you to be sitting in the room or listening either, and you're just like, you know what, I, if I could just do better, you know? I, I always hated those messages, but, you know, growing up where it was like, hey, here's 10 steps to being a better you, <laughs> and um, I was just so sick by that growing up because I was like, you know what? I've seen real struggle, and I've seen painful times, and it's like, that just doesn't match up, right? If I could do X, Y, and Z and just make everything perfect or better because sometimes it's just not, right? And sometimes, like we said, we just deal, you can deal with things throughout your entire life that never seem to go away, but who do we lean on, right? <laughs> who do we, who's there to pick us up? friends, family, other believers. Certainly our church family should be there to do that. Pastor, hopefully I can be that to you. If not now, maybe in the future. Maybe you need to reach out to somebody else. And I'm glad to connect you again. And I feel like some of us in the room, we just, we felt so shameful in the past. Uh, We felt like we could never talk to anybody. Um, And this, I think, is something that's come out maybe more recently than in other times where we said, okay, now it's more normal, right? A lot of people have talked about mental health since, like, COVID because what happened? Hey, everybody, stay in your house. Don't go anywhere for three months. And, um, yeah, don't go to work. Like, you're not an essential worker, so you don't need to just stay. It'll be good. It's not good to do that, right? And, and I think, if anything else, I know we've talked a lot about kids, and, but, but adults struggle with that too, and it's not a good thing, right? To not be in community, to not be together. Um, certainly to take precautions, we should, but, but now we're open to it, right? And this has been going on since the beginning of time, since the world got broke at Eden. And God was like, there's going to be consequences, and I wish that there wasn't. Perfect fellowship was separated, and everything about ourselves, Right? It can break, right? Not just our physical bodies. Like, yeah, I know I can, I can break my leg, but, but other things can break too. Other things can um, be awry, right? So David's going to continue to talk to us about this. So we've got the waiting and the listening. And then in verse 7, it says, Then I said, Behold, I have come in the scroll of the book. It is written of me. I delight to do your will. Oh, my God, your law is within my heart. The kids actually read this verse this week um, in Kids Club. Um, Jill was doing the message for us, and um, she had the big printout of uh, verse 8. I was like, we're talking about that on Sunday. <laughs> That's amazing. And I, I just kept going back to this this week because 
Alana brought it home. It sat on our uh, dining room table, and she's like, Dad, we need to talk about that every day. I'm like, we do. We need to know what it says, because what are we reminded of? I delight to do your will. Oh, my God, your law is within my heart. What's one of the main defenses we have against the enemy, against the lies that he tells us, against our own minds that will lie to us over and over again about who we are? Well, David says it here. I delight to do your will. Oh, my God, your law is within my heart. Sometimes we need that, right? As our mind begins to spin, it starts to say, you are not worth anything. You're depressed. It's just who you're going to be. Does God really love you? Is there any point in even talking to anybody about this? Yes, there is. Because what what does the word do for us? Well, our heart overrides our minds a lot of the time. And this is what David talks about over and over again. He's going through these situations like, I'm going to delight in the Lord. I'm going to be reminded about who you are because I know the word, right? And it's so important for us, not even just to, you know, like blow it up on a, on a piece of paper as big as we can and be reminded of it. Do you know what people did? Like in, in ancient times, those who knew and followed God, they were like, they were putting like Bible verses, and I hope you do, maybe you still, people still do this. Uh, people kind of went away from that, They're like, oh, the wood, like um, ver- Bible verse, you know, carved on my doorpost, you know, that's 90s. Nobody does that anymore. <laughs> Throw those away, right? But, uh, but there's something to be said for that, right? And the word tells us that where will we put our word? We should put it right in front of our eyes. We should put it at our doorposts, at our gate. And wherever we go, we should see it. And if we're not reminded about those things, if we're not like being brought back to the truth, then what's the world going to do to us? What are our own minds going to do to us? (laughs) The world certainly doesn't encourage us. You turn on the TV, it doesn't do that. You walk outside your door, there's a lot of examples of what not to do and how to think about ourselves, right? If you're not like this, then you're not beautiful. If you don't have this, then you're not valuable. If you're not like this, and they're all lies, right? <laughs> how, how are we valuable? David says, I delight to do your will. Oh my God, your law is within my heart. <clears throat> this word here in the Hebrew, kafotes, uh, is the word delight. This means to delight in, to take pleasure in, to desire, to be pleased with or to please the one, that being God. Like, so who are we pleased with delighting in here? Well, it's either God or it's something else, right? And this is where David's going to continue to go back to. Every time he faltered, every time he was like, you know what? I can't do this anymore. Where, where did he go? He went back to the Lord. And many times this didn't fix the problem, right? It didn't fix the sin issue. Um, it, it didn't make everything perfect. He still had to deal with the consequences of that, right? He still had to deal with his fallen nature, which led him astray over and over and over again. So if a guy like David, a guy like Spurgeon can have hope, can struggle, then I think we all can too, right? And I include myself in that. So we'll close with this, uh, deliverance in the pain. So we've got waiting, we've got listening, um, and then deliverance in the pain. Now this is... um, for some of us, I think this is easier than others. For some of you who will go, yeah, you know, I had this thing happen last year. Um, I had a loved one who passed away, and it was really, really hard. And I don't want to minimize any of that, but as time passes, as we trust in the Lord, he goes, it's going to be okay, right? Maybe that person that you knew, a family friend or family member, is in heaven with God, so that maybe makes it more palatable or maybe easier. I don't know if I could say that. Then other of us struggle with the seasons, the time's changing, we go, okay, you know, at some point it's going to get better and we can kind of count on that, like I'm going to just turn this, you know, the sun's going to come out, sun will come out tomorrow, right? I'm not going to sing it, but this is what I thought of, I don't know why. So, so the sun's going to come out, right? And sometimes we can have that perspective, it will change, but then for others of us, we read this and we're like, I just, I just don't even know what that 
looks like. So I want to hopefully give us some hope as we read the last couple of verses in that. Verse 9, sometimes it's just about telling people what's going on and sharing our victories. And David does this. He says, I've told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. Behold, I have not restrained my lips, as you know, O Lord. So who of us would be able to say this? Like, I've not restrained my lips about God's glory, about what he's done in my life in the midst of situations, seasons, and ongoing struggles. Like, could any of us say that? And there's a reason that David does this here. He, he, was, um, he was one of those kings. He wasn't just like all concerned about himself, right? He, he was more of like a worship leader, king, slash preacher, right? He, he kind of did, uh, did all the stuff. And when he talks, he's like, you guys know I haven't, I haven't hidden anything from you. You knew my struggles. They were witnessed in front of the entire kingdom. And, and I didn't try to hide any of those things, and I, and I always went to the Lord. And what did he do? He said, I have told the glad news of deliverance. It's the word uh, sedek in the Hebrew. It means the righteousness of God as covenant keeping in redemption. In redemption. And, and David's telling this as a, you did it. It's like what we sang about today. Like, Alana loves this song. We sing it together many times. We're going to school. What's the song you want? Same God. Same God. And why do we love songs like that? Because we're reminded of who God was, reminded of who he is, and reminded of what he's going to do in the future. And sometimes we just need to remember that, right? We're like, we're going through these seasons and we're like, I, I just, I don't know what to do. I, I feel so depressed that I can just, I don't even know if I can talk to anybody. And David's like, I've told the glad news of what your deliverance. And this word in the Hebrew refers to not just a present deliverance or a past deliverance, but this future deliverance that God's going to give. <clears throat> There's two types here that I think about. Like in our stories, as we read this verse, we're like, well, I really need some practical application for this. You know, I read about David, and that's all fine and good. You know, he talked about deliverance. He told everybody about it. Good for him. Right? How does that help me? Well, in our situations, I think there's a couple of different things we receive deliverance from, and, uh, and much of the time, I guess we think about, too, like people who are struggling later on in life and with the health issues, and, and we see deliverance in one way as one day we will stand before God, and, and all the pain, right, all the brokenness, all the stuff that we couldn't fix in life ourselves, all the things that even, even as we kind of take those further steps in trying to address mental illness, depression, anxiety, fill in the blank, <laughs> there are these spaces we can go to, and you know, you know what? Even if everything right now is not completely perfect, even if I continue to struggle, there's this place I'll be with God in heaven in the future where I know things will be perfect, right? I'll have this restored relationship like I did, like God's people did in Eden. And then we wonder too, like, what does this present deliverance look like? Well, I think it looks different depending on what you're struggling with. Maybe um, situationally, you maybe walked in the the weeks or the months of difficulty after a a bad event. And I've been there, you know, I've uh, I've walked through some of that stuff, um, I, I, church I grew up at, where we had this saying, at 10 years old, a guy walked in our church and shot 14 people. And I can't tell you the emotional and the psychological trauma after that as a kid, uh, just things that you're like never prepared to deal with. And you're like, God, how, how are you going to get the glory out of this situationally? And he still does, but it doesn't mean that we don't struggle with those things consistently, right? So God, how do you deliver us? Well, maybe uh, maybe for you, again, it's more seasonal, and you're like, oh, I'm going about life, and the winter hasn't changed, and, and what do I do here? Well, something will change, right? Something's going to change. Sometimes we despair, and we're like, we're, you know, we're like David, like, hey, <laughs> he's delivered me in the past. He's, he's doing it presently, although things aren't perfect. 
and he's going to do it in the future, right? I can stand on him. What does he say? He talks about this rock, like, you, like you've put me on this place, no matter what's going on. And he didn't just say, like, I did it by myself. I, I told everybody about it, right? So I wonder who of us in the room have struggled like that. Maybe for you, again, it's been a lifelong struggle, and you just wonder, and I'll close it out with verse 10, what David doesn't do. Like, he doesn't go just like, this is painful, right? Like, no, I don't think any of us want to pull the Band-Aid off. Like, that's not enjoyable in the moment. And I want to just say I'm proud of, of many of you because when I asked you about some of these things and I asked you to share, you were like, yes, reluctantly, I think, um, I, I will share, right? But you knew you weren't doing it for you, right? And as we'll share some of these videos going throughout this series, as you weren't doing it for yourself, I know that somebody else in the room is going to hear what you have to say and is going to go, thank you for pulling off the Band-Aid. Because in that, Maybe in my lifelong struggle, maybe in the thing I've been going through since childhood, I found some hope, and I found out it was okay to share what was going on. And so I hope that's you. David's going to have one more verse for us here today, at least. Inspired by God, he says, I've not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I've spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I've not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. What David didn't say is like everything went exactly the way I wanted it to go, right? If you were to ask him about his story growing up, I imagine as he say, hey, David, can you share some of the times that have been depressing or anxious for you or, or difficult or even made you angry? And he's like, well, to start off with, I mean, I was a shepherd boy and, um, you know, God called me out to, to take down Goliath and I was like, that was awesome. You know, it was like highlight moment. He's like, you're going to be king over Israel now. And there was somebody who didn't like that, a guy named Saul. He was king at the time. And then he spent years trying to kill me. Like, that was, that was a good time, right? I enjoyed that. No, in fact, if you look at the Psalms, he writes all about that. He's like, you know, God save me because, you know, I, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. I got these mighty men, and he's like, but they're nothing compared to you, God. Like, w- would you save me? And then David steps into the kingship, and, and what happens in his life? Well, he gets some success, right? At times, some of those things go to our head, and he commits the sin with Bathsheba. He, he says, hey, you know what? I know better. And then he didn't even realize it, right? Sometimes maybe we just need somebody too to like come alongside us. The prophet Nathan, he comes to me, he's like, hey, there, I want to tell you this story. There's, um, uh, there's this guy and uh, he, you know, he had one sheep and there's this guy, he had a lot of sheep and there was this feast, there was this thing that was going to take place and the rich guy who had all the sheep, he went and he took the one sheep from the guy who only had one and David's like, we got to kill that guy. <laughs> we we got to make things right. Nathan's like, you're the guy. And, and I don't know, maybe, I don't know, maybe you're here today and you're like, you're reading the psalm and you're like, you know, like, I don't have any problems. <sighs> Nobody talked to me about that. I don't want to deal with real issues because sometimes they're painful. You can imagine David and his experience leaning on the Lord through all those, through the ones where he was like, it was my fault. It wasn't my fault. I don't know what to do here. And no, I didn't, no, no that's not my fault. That's not on me. Yeah, it is, Right? So I don't know what step you need to take, and I don't know where you're at, but as David says these words, I think he's writing from the perspective of this life that, that knows what it's look like, it looks like to struggle because of our own faults, because of the world that we live in and around us, because of the other people that hurt us and do things to us that we're just like, why? You know, why, why would that happen? And in all of that, David goes, here's what I've done. I've not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I've spoken your faithfulness and your salvation. I've not concealed your steadfast love, and the Hebrew of the word steadfast love, has said, 
God's all-encompassing love. He's like, I've not hidden that, right? I've not gotten to the point where I just completely despaired and said, God, you cannot help me. And your faithfulness from the great congregation. So, I know it's been a while already. I do know that. <laughs> You're always wondering, right? Let's see the clock, I do. I want to share one more thing with you. Um, it's a video of... Uh, a young lady, um, young woman who uh, is sharing about her husband um, who, who took his life a number of years, it was about four years ago. And I've shared this story before. I've talked about this individual, his, name's, his name was Eric. I went to school with him. Um, and the guys who are also sharing in this video, asking questions to this young woman named Chrissy, uh, this was her husband, Eric. And she's been able to share her story. They actually shared it at camp. We went to camp this last year. Um, and I just wanted you to hear it. It is a few minutes long. You can give me a few more, um, and then I will uh, close it out. Okay, go ahead and turn your attention to the screens. Eric served several summers working on the island and was a frequent speaker, both at the island and the coast. Eric also spent many years serving in the local church in various pastoral roles throughout Texas. He was an amazing children's pastor and a gifted communicator of God's word to children. While attending seminary, Eric met and married Chrissy, and God later blessed them with twins, Joa and Selah. While outwardly, things seemed to be going well, inside, Eric was struggling. He was battling cancer and had to undergo surgery to remove it. Eric's physical and mental recovery from the cancer surgery led to an addiction to his medication. This addiction also exposed some mental health struggles Eric was facing. Eric fought those battles valiantly, and many times seemed to be making great progress. Tragically, though, our friend Eric took his own life in January 2019. And so today, we're talking with Chrissy, his widow. She's a licensed therapist and counselor who has some valuable insight for both those who are struggling and for those who know people that are struggling. We want to invite you to listen in on our conversation with Chrissy. And we're praying that God will use it to give grace for the suffering and hope for the battle. I think the biggest thing is that Eric was in love with Jesus. He loved the Lord, and he had a very close relationship with the Lord. If you knew Eric, that was the number one um, most important thing in his life. And I think that is confusing to people because he did take his life. And, and people don't understand that. But the truth is, is that you can love the Lord. You can have this closer relationship with the Lord, um, but still struggle with things that he struggled with, like depression, anxiety, addiction, mental illness. And I think that was confusing for him, too. But um, that's something that people need to know, is that you can have this close relationship with the Lord and still experience these struggles. Um, so that would be the number one thing. I think the second thing is is that he tried to be very open and honest about these things. And most people in ministry and Christians don't feel comfortable talking about things like um, I'm depressed and I'm I want to die some days because it gets so bad. Um, but he tried to to be open, and a lot of people accepted that and loved him through that, even when they didn't know exactly how to. But then there was a lot of people that turned their backs towards him and didn't know how to talk to him about it, didn't know how to accept it, and left him feeling 
ashamed of it. And that kind of pushed him back and made him not want to talk about it as much. Um, But he kept trying to talk about it because he knew there were more people who struggled with it. I think the last thing would be to not give up. And I think if Eric were here, and I wish he were, that's what he would be telling people. Don't give up. Um, Because God made you for a reason. God has you breathing for a reason. And his love is unconditional. And that means that his love is big enough for our problems, big enough for our heartaches of this world and our struggles. And as believers, we think, like, we can't struggle with these things because then we don't have faith. And that's just not true. That is not true. Um, That's part of our broken world, and God's love covers that, and God's love wants to walk alongside of us in that. And we just have to fight for our life and fight to believe that our God is good and that He's bigger than these things that we're experiencing and that we have hope. So these things, not easy to talk about, right? Uh, Not usually something we would put in the category of uh, fun or easy. In fact, the same year um, that Eric uh, took his life, the same year that I was diagnosed with cancer for the first time, and he was dealing with a different form of cancer, had the surgeries, and became addicted, and um, eventually that's where his story ended. But there's hope in this still, I think, for us, to not feel like there's a, a place that we can't go. Um, that we can't talk to somebody about what's going on with us, whether it's minor or whether it's major. Um, <clears throat> and I want the church to be there for you. And just as a word of encouragement, we'll, we'll be seeing about four or five excerpts from this, this interview. It was about half an hour long. Um, over this whole series, our church members are going to be sharing videos. So I think this will be encouraging as a whole to us. Um, this young lady, Chrissy, she got remarried last month. Uh, four years ago in January, it was her husband took his life. And um, so I don't want us to see this like David, maybe not like David did when he talked about deliverance. He, he knew where it was coming from. It was coming from the Lord. And it wasn't, he didn't just do it by himself. And one of the things he did in the midst of that was continue to proclaim God's glory and his excellence in the midst of all of it. And I can't tell you how, um, how this story's been used over time. Um, certainly for me, it's just a check uh, to figure out where I'm at. But I want you to know wherever you are right now, if, if you need to talk, um, then I'm here. Uh, maybe you just need to reach out and share with your spouse for the first time something's going on. Uh, maybe you need to get a little more help, talk to a pastor, a Christian counselor. Um, one of the things I've been doing the last couple of years um, since seeing all this stuff in COVID is certifications, National Association of Christian Counselors, I did that, um, and my doctorate's in Christian counseling. That's, that's what I'm working on right now, um, just so I can help you guys um, and, and really anybody in our community, okay? Um, so I want to be there for you, and then if you're just like, you know what, I need to talk with somebody else, I need to be referred, um, I got a list for you, and I'd love to, to be able to help you get connected with somebody else, okay? Um, so don't feel like today you walk out of this place, this is depressing, this is dark, this is sad, because we were talking about depression. The, the main focus of this has got to be that it's okay to not be okay, all right? Just don't stay there, okay? Let me pray for us. Uh, Father, we thank you uh, for this day. Um, God, we thank you that you love us and sent your son to die for us on the cross. And God, that um, all those people who struggled in the scriptures and even in our modern, modern times, um, they knew it was okay not to be okay. God, um, don't allow us to be people who shame difficulty, whether it is physical or mental or emotional, wherever it might come for us. As we live in this broken state, help us to wait in the pain well. Um, help us to listen to you. God, we're thankful that you've always got an open ear to us. Um, God, and, and when it comes to deliverance, let us not be shy. Um, let us tell about all the good things that you have done, 
Let us be an encouragement to others. And, and while we're still in the midst of it, God, let us remember what David said about deliverance, that it, it wasn't just past, it wasn't just present, but God, you will deliver in the future. Um, help us to, to have hope um, that rests on that, what you have done and what you will do. God, we're thankful that it's okay to not be okay. Uh, I pray that you'd uh, help us not to stay there. If we need to talk with somebody, I pray um, we would do that. And it's your name we pray. Amen. Yeah. Love you, church.